Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for MacBreak Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 247, recorded May 17th, 2011, where bums go to bathe. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by GoToMeeting. Today's mobile world makes easy-to-use collaboration software more than nice to have. It's a necessity for your free 30-day trial. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the offer code MacBreak. And by Audible.com. To download the free audiobook of your choice, go to audible.com slash MacBreak. And by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com slash MacBreak. And be sure to check out their annual plans for savings of up to 20% off. It's time for MacBreak Weekly, the show that covers your Apple needs in great depth and thoroughness. Joining us in studio, Mr. Alex Lindsay from the Pixel Core, pixelcore.com, for the Guild of Multimedia Artists, pixelcore.tv. It's good to be here for the podcast. Hey, Alex, how are you? It's good to be here. You're, bit, you're always here. I almost, am. Unless you travel one. I'm traveling next week. Okay, so. I mean, I'll be in, in 35,000 feet over China. Oh, wow. I'll be going from Tokyo to Dubai to Barcelona. Wow. Yeah. Is this for work or for fun? Uh, work. I'm uh, we're, sh- we're I'm leaving on Thursday for for Tokyo, and I'm there for a couple of days, and then I'm gonna uh, and then I'm gonna be flying out Monday night for Dar es Salaam where I'm speaking, wow. and then I'll be in DC where I'm uh, doing some more work. And Amazing! On the second, it's it's so interesting. We have people who have actual jobs on this show. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear about how people do their living thing, <laughs> Andy Anako, uh, he, he's he's at home. My home is my office. My world is my office. It is indeed. There is no, there is no point in which I do not have crushing responsibilities that weigh upon me heavily at every moment. <laughs> he is from the Chicago Sun Times and also the celestial waste of bandwidth and a regular on Mac Break Weekly. We also welcome uh, to our show somebody I think who was on once before, right? Jason Williams from Second Gear Software. Oh, Leo, Jason, no, Justin, Justin, come on. who are you? Who Hi, Justin. I? Oh, I'm sorry. Geez. I just saw the J and I and I just I went with it. That's Good. almost as bad as when people call me that teen pop star. Almost. almost. <laughs> Justin Bieber is uh, joining us. Tell me about Second Gear Software, my friend. Okay, so secondgearsoftware.com is my my quote-unquote job. I am fun employed as well, so I've been doing it for five years. We've got an app called uh, Today, which is a calendaring app for the Mac, Love and then it. Elements, which is a uh, Dropbox text editor Love for it. the iPhone and iPad. Love both. Love flat. I write with Elements all the time. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank it's you, awesome. Your check is in the mail. So you're both you're both a uh, iOS developer and a, a desktop developer. Yeah, I started on the desktop back when my parents questioned why I went to school and then started a Mac software company. Who who uses a Mac? And then Nobody it kind of paid. That. No one uses a Mac, but now the iPhone stuff's kind of taken off, so I'm doing it too. Times have changed. So, gang, the big story is uh, straight out of the Boy Genius. BGR, the Boy Genius Report, apparently Thursday the 19th, which is uh, the anniversary of the opening of the first Mac retail store 10 years ago. Something's, something big is happening. We don't know <laughs> no what. No one knows what it is. But uh, they're quoting some pretty big deal uh, memos saying uh, you're going to be working all night to 15 employees in each and every 
uh, Mac store, there's uh, oh, something's going on. Any speculation? Could it be that we were wrong about iPhone uh, 5 or 4S, I guess they're going to call it? Could it be it's actually oh, going to come out Thursday? Seems well, odd. Yeah, they, uh, it seems odd that they would do something without a big, flashy, here it is, here are the features. It also seems weird that they would just sort of slip it into stores and simply let people sort of find it. So, uh, my, my guess would be more Lion. Oh, you think Lion will come out like, Thursday? I, if I was going to guess, I mean, it no. seems like they're pretty close. That no. they could. Nope, you don't think uh, so? I'm trying I to think of what else they would. What else they would? Well, like uh, the cloud service. That would be the sort of thing where it's interesting enough that people would have to sort of find it. It would require a lot of training uh, for for the staff in order to use it. Doesn't require a lot of hardware shipments. Uh, and if it were really a tentpole feature, it would also jibe in with the idea of they're going to be blacking out the windows so that people can't see the new displays and the yeah, new things are going to be hanging in the windows. They say they're going to they're going to put curtains, black curtains up. That means there's that, something to that's, see. That's something physical, right? Assuming assuming that's accurate, yeah. It, it really is a tantalizing <laughs> collection of data points because you, it's almost if you want to have that, that threat board behind you with every single thing that it could oh, possibly be yeah. and you simply CSI style start peeling off, okay, so it can't be a new Mac because we we've had new Macs, can't be a new iPad, it's almost certainly not a new iPhone because that's too big, it's almost certainly not a new carrier because that wouldn't require new training, so blup, 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 and so Sherlock Holmes style, we're not, I don't think there are people who are saying that, I, I believe that it's this because I have, because uh, that's where all the evidence points to i think it's because we have eliminated everything it can't be and it's pointing to just one of these three things i think it has to be bs i th you know let me read you that what the boy genius report says they said we have heard from a solid apple source one solid but one that uh, apple may be planning something big for its 10th retail anniversary thursday 19th this is what they're this is what they're saying there's an overnight shift planned for 10 to 15 individuals at each apple store to work from late saturday all the way through mid-sunday Oh, wait a minute, I'm confused. Oh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't start Thursday to be this weekend, I guess, even mm -hmm. though the anniversary is Thursday. During the overnight shift, the Saturday overnight shift, it's going to be required that employees lock their cell phones in the main office. They'll also have to sign an NDA. There are a wide variety of roles we're told for the overnight shift, including all visual all visuals staff a manager, a business team member, a few genius team members, one back-of-house employee, and a few generic Apple specialists. I'm already saying this is BS. It's nothing. I don't think, I think there's, it doesn't make sense for them to do anything big when WWDC is two weeks away. I think this is, so, this is a, I think it's a party. BS story. I think and it's Apple has never been one of those p companies that does celebrate retail anniversaries or any sort of big anniversary. I think they yeah. did a 20th anniversary or 20 or 25th anniversary of the mac poster but they don't really celebrate anniversaries like say a microsoft or another company they would do 10th anniversary of the store okay they say apple employees would be putting up black curtains at all stores so the people walking outside cannot see inside employees have had to download gigabytes of data from apple corporate labeled training in a password protected zip folder that won't be accessible to managers until saturday afternoon lastly all apple retail stores have mandatory meetings on sunday may 22nd most meetings are scheduled for the morning but there are evening meetings as well I either this is a completely bogus leak. I can't think of what the alternative. Or it could be. be it could be prep for for WWDC, which is only. But why would they? Why yeah. would they require ten to fifteen people in each store overnight? Yeah. Well, and they wouldn't give that information to retail employees instead of actual employees in Cupertino. They don't. Retail employees are usually the last people that are going to know that stuff. I think this is just bogus.
The other rumor I saw was that it might be a near field communication. They're going to implement that into the stores. But even then, no phone supports NFC yet other than I think the Google Nexus Go- S. Two, two Google phones do. I have one of them. <laughs> yeah. Use, use your no, Google phone at, at the Apple store. Use your Google phone at the Apple store, but don't, don't bother trying to use that iPhone 4 because we don't support it yet. Yeah, so they won't do, they won't do that. I mean, I think they will do that concurrent with the release of a new iPhone. I think that's pretty, that would be interesting. I can't think of what this could be. I think this must be bogus. They're putting out their summer fashions. That's all. <laughs> they're going from they're going from long sleeve t shirts to short sleeve monk turtles. Yes, that's right. Even even all the comments in the uh, Boy Genius report, nobody can come up with what this could possibly be. I I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna call BS on this. I I just I don't I can't believe yeah, it. It doesn't make any sense. It just seems so unapple to block out all the windows and do all. Yeah. I mean, it just well. Depends on exactly what it's 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 part of the frustration of covering Apple because you know that there is everyone has a list in their heads about eight different things that we're pretty sure they're working on but there's no idea of when it could be released probably four things that could be released sometime in the next eight months of which three of them could require a window blackout again if they're just going to be putting things if they're going to be hanging new things in the window to say hey you've heard you know these that commercial you saw uh, Sunday night uh, for this new service well here's where you can come in and take a look at that. I don't think it's BS quite yet, but I don't think the, the the information is really thin on the ground. Usually, the weak point of any uh, of any Apple secrecy is at the retailer level, and it's not. Let's say it's not unheard of for me to get information from people who work in Apple stores uh, about stuff stuff like this at a time. I haven't received anything like that so far. That doesn't mean anything, but uh, it. It's kind of it's kind of an interesting thing. I I, I got an, I got to say that I have marked out a section of my calendar to say be ready for something maybe happening that weekend. I love I love I love the chat room. They say, oh, they're redesigning the Apple stores. This is exactly what I would expect from Apple if they were read. It's a brand new look. We're putting up black curtains. Yeah, we're well, not see that, yeah. that 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 makes sense too because you don't want to. I don't think anybody wants to. Apple is is the one company that would absolutely not want camera phone pictures of right. workmen with ladders and scaffoldings right. inside their beautiful pristine stores. Yeah, so it could be something. As simple I think as that, that yeah. actually makes more sense than anything else. So don't get your hopes up. It's just a new new. They're look. moving the tables. Yeah, they're moving the tables. People are just clamoring for some WWDC news, so they're trying to make something big out of this when really they're just going to redo the store. There's nothing to it. <laughs> We're going to take a break, come back. Let's find out about the uh, what you guys expect for WWDC. Also, uh, maybe we can collect all the rumors for the new Apple iPhone, which we now think will be called the 4S, and uh, what features will and will not be included. We'll talk about that in just a second. Before we do, though, let's take a look at Go to Meeting, which now is... Kind of the ideal solution for your Mac, your iPad, even dare I say it, for your Windows machine. If you're doing, if you're having a meeting, <laughs> see, that's one of the beauty beauty parts of it. And there are a lot of meeting solutions. Uh, most of them uh, aren't cross-platform, so that's one nice feature is that you can hold a meeting and you don't have to care. Should you care? You shouldn't care what your client's running. You should hold a meeting and your client should join that meeting, whether they've got the software installed or not, in just a click of the mouse. It should be easy for them, especially if you're doing a sales presentation. And that's what GoToMeeting is. Go Try it right now. GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use MacBreak as the offer code. GoToMeeting.com. Try It Free button. MacBreak. I've been on GoToMeeting meetings every day this week. <laughs> That's nothing so to it's, celebrate, but it's better than what it could be. It I'll would tell you. be impossible. We have people in Japan. We're, 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 you know, for this, this trip I'm going to, we have people in Japan, all over California, some folks on the East Coast. 
and we're all looking at the same presentation. We're all talking about what the issues are. We're all going through it's that so stuff. Great. I don't. I don't know how we do it otherwise. I mean, even if you're just doing a phone call, the neat thing is you could see. We 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 even do this just for our phone. Anytime we're gonna have a conference call, we just do it through GoToMeeting because you get the bridge. The conference bridge is free. There's an I, voice over IP bridge. In fact, if one of your customers or colleagues is using an iPad, they could just plug in their ha headset to the iPad and just use the VoIP built into the iPad, and it's free GoToMeeting app for the iPad and have the meeting. I've done. It. I've sat out in the backyard here and done it. It's really incredible um you'll dramatically improve productivity streamline communication you can schedule meetings ahead of time you can even do it they're so easy to do while you're in the middle of a call you could say look i got to show you this uh, collaborate on files and documents in real time we start those meetings and if we want to show people something we can and by the way they could show you too because it's a two-way street so it's great for product reviews demos sales presentations training sessions status meetings all right from your desk try it right now go to meeting.com click the try it free button Use the offer code MACBREAK. We thank Citrix, the folks who do go on meeting, for being such great supporters of our show. They, you know, I want to have a parade when the new studio is done from here to the new studio. And uh, they said, we'll sponsor the parade. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we want to do is have banners for each show with the hosts of each show marching behind the banners. And might as well have a float for the sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Just one float. It's a short parade. It's two blocks. World's shortest parade. Have we gotten all the Should permits I for it? This we, is Petaluma we don't know what date. We can't get a permit till we know the date. I think in August. Just reminding you, this is Petaluma. There's, oh, I know. We got a lot of permits for everything. Everything. Maybe you should have your float just be a big screen in which people, the clowns, bands, people throwing candy all through a go to meeting window. Just sort of a <laughs> Skype window. A virtual parade. You know, maybe. Maybe. Marching band powered by GarageBand for the iPad. Just have people just walking with their iPads, <laughs> just pushing buttons, playing music. That's you a know. great idea, an iPad marching band. That is a good little idea. Speakers. We'll have to have a speaker in a wagon that you trail yes. behind. Just, you. If you get enough people, those tiny little speakers, they become a bigger speaker. It'll you know, take... actually, we have six, I have six Sonos uh, S5 Zone players for the studio because that's how you could listen to the shows, but you could also have music. And if we wanted to have a party, you could take them all and play the same thing. So we could just put them in the wagon. And that's that's six of those. That's a lot of sound. That's a, lot of, that's, yeah, that's a, that's lot a of wall of sound. I think we might need a special permit. The special, <laughs> the special Pete Townsend writer. Or a lot of angry Western Petalumans. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one wants to deal with the Western you know, Petalumans. St. Vincent's does a parade every yeah. year. Oh, I'm sure we could do it for two blocks. With a little, cra they have a uh, the Pope. Uh, literally, there's hey. a Pope on a platform. Hey. And they have little, you know, they have their little trumpet. All I'm saying is butter and eggs. Butter and eggs. That's all we're saying. So uh, more evidence from Apple Insider just in that Apple plans a, something on uh, Saturday. Um, the latest report says that, no, we've already seen all this. Wait a minute. Oh, Mac Stories is reporting that Apple scheduled store meetings 7 a.m. on Sunday. You know what? I'm more than I think about it, the more I think they've changed the, 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 the inside of the store and they want to train everybody. Here's yeah. where you'll be standing. They're adjusting the feng shui of the desks. Here's where you'll be. Here's where you'll be standing. iCloud? Will we see an iCloud service soon? It seems like it's coming. I mean, that's that's the... It has to come. I mean, you know, I don't know exactly when. I, don't, I think that that's the, the big... It's not an if it's coming. It's, it's a when it's coming. And I don't know whether it'll be iCloud, but they're going to do some kind of major update. We're, they're running out of boxes for mobile me, right? I mean, so they're not... You know, they're not. It's been uh, a couple of weeks since the report that they'd signed uh, from Peter Kafka of all things uh, digital. That they'd signed uh, licenses with two of the major labels. And Apple was the only one that's really going through all this trouble, right? So right. Amazon, Nobody, and, Google Amazon and Google, and Google like, said, eh. "We don't need licenses." Right. 
which if Apple can actually tie those all up, gives may give them some advantages and may not. It's interesting. I would have said earlier that Apple was standing back and, and going to let Google and Amazon take the heat. Watch what happens with all the lawsuits because you know Sony and others are going to end up suing these guys and then step in. And remember, the record labels don't like how much power Apple has with iTunes. iTunes is the number one digital, all, all, number one retailer of all music now. Too much power. Right. So I thought maybe this would be, but, but Apple may be cagey. They might be saying, see, we're not so bad. And right. I think it could be doing. worse. It could be worse. That side of the fire we're is, is hotter deals. than this side of the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think the uh, music labels are hoping that by signing these deals with Apple, they're going to be able to then push Amazon and Google into having to sign these deals as well because they see, well, look what Apple's doing with this. And if you want to do all this great stuff we've kind of allowed them to do, then pony up the cash, boys. It's so hard, as anybody who's ever handled a firearm, Alex Lindsay knows, so hard to aim when your target keeps jumping around like that. Well, and I think that we were just talking about this on, on, on Twim. It really feels like the, Hollywood, the, the record companies in Hollywood and everything else are sitting on a hot griddle. And they're surrounded. <laughs> and, and it's just Another which fire. Metaphor. Which fire that they're going to... They, jumping they, around on the griddle. But, they, but, they're, but, they're, but they're on a hot griddle. They know the, that what they're in is, is not working. They, they're burning up. But the, the, the issue is, is that there's a fire. A fire called Amazon. A fire called Google. A fire called Apple. A fire called Netflix. And they don't... None of those are particularly good for their businesses if allowed to... They're, they're, they're good for a new business model, but not the business model that they right. have. And they're, they're desperately trying to try to how, to... how do we keep all of these different companies balanced? so that none of them get enough power to to uh to run them over the, the issue though is is that these record these record companies and these movie industry that you know the any one of these companies could buy all of them right you know these are they're no longer like the they're little technology company. companies yeah they are the big technology companies are these big huge industry. behemoths and it's it's fascinating to watch these massive behemoths tiptoe around these hollywood and the record industry because they could just they really could just squash them if they got impatient well, you know, also Apple, you know, actually we're in a very competitive age because now Apple has to look at reports this morning that uh, Amazon is going to do two Android tablets, a dual core and a quad core. When you have somebody like Amazon, a big retail giant like Amazon, they can make a credible threat the to issue, Apple on the iPad. I don't think it's a power thing, though, dual core and quad core. It's, it's going to be it's all OS. down between functions and functionality. It's you know, OS. so they, yeah. you know, or features and functionality. You know, the thing is, yeah, sure, they have that, but... but uh, can they create one that's really usable? Right. Absolutely, yeah. If anyone can create a decent Android tablet, it's going to be Amazon because they have all the content in place. They've already got the music store. They've got movie rentals. They've got movie streaming. They've, and got, they've music. got that Amazon. They've got music, and now they've got the Amazon App Store. So they seem to be further along than Google is. In the, I think I mean, Google just had those I/O right. announcements, but yeah. yeah. But I don't think they're, it's just the content. I think that the issue is. I was watching my, my so my two year old daughter was playing with uh, an iPad last night. Uh, the first time I've really seen her playing with it, and watching two. how she she wow. organically is like noodling around with it and moving stuff around on World of Goo, um, and uh, uh, there is something it, it you have to get that tactile experience so right. And, and, and the iPad, I think, has it. I think that when I played with the Playbook, for instance, I don't think it had it. You know, it didn't. I th oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 not the Playbook. The Galaxy. The Galaxy. It was a little behind. Yeah. The Playbook was much, much. Was playbook is pretty snappy. But everything's just. But it just has no little, apps. It has no apps, but it, it's snappy. But the, the point is, is that I think that a lot of them are missing that. that there's that last 2% or 3%. But that I think that changes it for a lot of people. That's what you but vote. That's, so that's, you that's okay. in. I think I think the problems that a lot of these makers are having is that uh, the iPad is a Ferrari and they're trying to build a Lamborghini 
Whereas Amazon is the company that's going to say, you know what? I think there's room here for a Toyota. Let's make something that is not the most high performance thing. Let's let's make something that is not necessarily a pinnacle of engineering that will go into the time capsule that we send into space so that aliens see how cute we, how uh, adorably uh, advanced we are. We're going to build the $119 one that will be the best $119 tablet anybody can buy. And because it costs $119, everybody will buy it. So that's why I think that they are indeed the biggest threat. Not only can they build these things to make them affordable, but they also make great stuff that's that's affordable that's about as the, the 119 dollar uh, kindle is a marvelous marvelous little device and i'm sure that if they decided to build a 249 dollar color android tablet that actually ran apps uh they would make sure that's totally focused on the things that people wanted to do deliver exceptional value for the money and would and it would probably be the most usable uh, android tablet anybody ever made it's interesting that kindle that 114 dollar kindle is the best-selling kindle of all of them yeah it's already price. I right. bought one. It was so cheap. <laughs> yeah. I thought, well, I'll, I don't mind having a third Kindle. Um, and I, well, I, w- I wanted to see what the ads looked like, how intrusive they were. And, you know, once, you, once you're in the book, it's exactly the same experience. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think forget Google. Forget Facebook, Apple. Start paying attention to Amazon because they're the, they're the up-and-comers. Yeah, they're, they're very much like Apple in that they tend to only they tend to pick and choose really carefully the sort of businesses they want to get into. And then they prosecute that intent so well. Uh, whereas Amazon, you know, we we're, everyone was watching the Google I.O. conference last week and there's at least now they've got at least seven balls up in the air. And I don't think they're really focused on anything except for search and ads at this right. point. Everything else, they, they do a lot of things extremely well, but you don't feel as though there's anybody at Google saying that it is absolutely essential that we get Google Chrome and Chromebooks so successful that it transforms the industry in five years. We know this is possible and we're going to make that happen. It's just, okay, well, hello, Chrome division. Check back with us in a year. We'll see yeah. if you got and you can't. And, and nowadays, you can't throw something out like that and, and not have it succeed unless you throw all your resources behind it and make it a hit. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the public picks up on how serious you are and yes. how much you're personally investing in well, it. I, don't, I think Google says that, eh, okay, use it, don't use it. It's okay yeah. with us. Right, I think the one we got money, We're and good. you know the don't public, worry, you know the public that, that Google cares about and Apple should care more about is this guy right here, the developer. Well, but I, I yeah, but I think that isn't, and, and we, um, this is the question for the developer: is the is the, the the issue? I think though is that when you get when you have a bunch of people buying hundred and twenty dollar uh, Android apps, the question is how many apps are they? Is that really the market that's going to buy tons and tons of? Of applications for it, you know that you know that I think that one of the things that Apple has taken advantage of is the fact that this, the raw sales of any of these tablets is not as important as the fact that the kind of person buying that tablet is the kind of person buying a lot of, you know, applications. Right, and the the biggest problem I had with the uh, Honeycomb tablets, I was one of the uh, eight people who actually went out and bought a Zoom, is that there are no apps for it, and that and the app experience most people don't think of it when they're in the store. That's what actually makes the iPad and the iPhone and even an Android phone that great. But don't you and see without, that as an opportunity then? No, as a developer? I don't. No. Not in the case of... Well, I think I would have it... Most people will say that there's not really that much money in Android apps because Android people are expecting things to be free, which I, I tend to think is pretty true. But I tend to build apps that are more for nerds. So I, I pretty much... I don't try to target like your mom and your dad. I well, try Android's to target, a nerd platform if ever there yeah, was I try, one. I try to target the people that are like listening to this show or this right. week in Google. And I think they'd be more than willing to pay five bucks for something. But in my case... I don't have the resources to build right. for four different platforms. I build for the one I like and the one I have fun with. I think that that's the vast majority of the Apple ecosystem is developers who write for Apple because they love it. 
Well, and most of the, I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of developers that are doing both of them. And, and, the, and what almost every developer has told me is that Android, they're making a lot of money doing building applications for corporations that want to deploy oh, onto Android huh. and want to make it. So they're, they're, that's where they make their money. Uh, on the iOS side, they're doing a little bit of that, but what they're really making more, more money on is, is actually retailing the, the applications that they're selling. Huh. So it's just a, it's two, different, two different worlds from their perspective. Uh, that kind of makes sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, did, have you put Honeycomb uh, 3.1 on your uh, Zoom yet, Justin? No, I set that thing back. <laughs> no when, when they supposedly it's that, a lot better supposedly it's a big improvement no but here's what happens so so if i spend six hundred dollars on a tablet to see how it is and then a company is going to tell me that oh well you'll get the update in a couple weeks behind the verizon version of this oh and by the yeah. way the sd card is still not going to work yeah. and by the way only the verizon one's going to get the movie store i just i yeah. kind of threw my hands up and said i'd rather buy a second ipad for that yeah you're kind of right I like this Galaxy Tab. I, I've been using it more and more all weekend. The ten point one uh, Tab um, it needs a. It's 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 good. If I think it could catch up, I think by the end of the year it could be it could be a strong contender. And I, I mean, agree yeah, with, that's the the problem with with Honeycomb and with the Android tablets is not that it's a bad OS. It's kind of buggy and it's got some stuff that needs to be polished. But as an OS, it's I think it's pretty good. I wrote a giant review of this on my personal site where I said that pretty much I think that the Android tablets have a fighting chance as they improve the OS, but with them not getting any apps out there that are designed specifically for the tablet, that's where they're going to fault because you can't just run giant versions of the phone apps and think that's a good experience. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, one of the smartest investments that, uh, that Google could make is to simply say, we're going to get out the checkbook. We've got a million dollars to spend to just flat out buy loyalty from yeah. developers. Simply say, we, we, we've seen this. We, the, 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 they can even tell you, we really like that Elements app that you developed for the iPad. Here is $100,000. Please write us a word processor. And then go to, the, and go to other companies and say, we really like this, this outliner you've made for the iPad. Here's a quarter million dollars. Please build this for us. A, a presentation app. They just need to have that, that checklist of six apps they absolutely have to cover for tablets and simply say, we don't care if we're going to be undermining other developers. At this point, we need to make sure we're serving the needs of the users who are looking for good apps for these tablets and not finding them. I think that the only challenge, though, is, is, is that... That, uh, you know, with the, with the iPad and the iPhone, I think part of what what I find so fascinating is almost anything I think of, that, you know, just about everything that I go, oh, I really I need an app for this. There really is like I, I you know, you go searching and suddenly you find it. Now it may not be the perfect solution, but it is. It's just that massive reservoir of of, yeah, of know, applications. That actually, are available. there are going to be more apps available for Android by the end of this summer than there are on iOS. Right. I don't know if there's a lack of apps. There's certain, there might be a lack of polish. There's certainly a lack of tablet apps. Although, unlike the iPhone, at least Android apps, you know, the iPhone, they don't scale at all. They just say, this is the, this is the form factor, and you could double it if you want, and it looks right. crappy. On Android, they, you know, almost all apps will at least use the space, and depending on how smart the, the developers are, they'll scale to fill the space. It's not ideal, but it, but it works okay. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, but if you're spending $600 on a tablet, you don't want to run giant versions of your phone apps because you may as well yeah, just buy but those but giant But my point phones. is, yeah, no, my point is they're not. In fact, uh, you know, things like Foursquare, which is clearly only written for a phone size thing, when you put it, it has big buttons, I admit. You know, the buttons end up stretching halfway across. But you turn it uh, in its portrait mode and it, it works pretty well. I mean, it's, it's, it's doable. The maps are full scale. I don't know. I mean, I admit it's not there yet, but I think it's it's closer than maybe Apple realizes. And I think if Amazon jumps into this with an incredible ecosystem 
uh, maybe a little bit more mature honeycomb. Um, Amazon's already got some exclusives, you know, in their app store. They announced that Angry, that uh, not Angry Birds, um, uh, Plants vs. Zombies and Chuzzle will be exclusive to the Amazon app store, not in the Android marketplace. That, to me, is Amazon saying, we're moving in. Mm. Get ready. Exclusivity of, of, of Plants vs. Plants Zombies? Plants vs. Zombies, you can... Now, from an Android point of view, from a user point of view, that doesn't matter to me. I'll buy it in the uh, Amazon store. I don't have to have an Amazon tablet. I could still buy it on any Android device. But it's, what it's saying is we, we want to no, kind of no. own this ecosystem. But here's the question. is If everyone starts doing that, doesn't that get into this whole crazy forking world of... It does. You know, it's you already to go got to these a fork. It's very much that, like... Yeah, it's already the forking world. Very much like the um, Apple App Store versus desktop apps. How do you... I want to ask Justin about that. Actually, I've got a lot of questions for the developer. It's time for Ask the Developer. <laughs> ask the Developer. Do, do, I'm still do, dreaming do, about do. this $100,000 Andy was talking about Google. <laughs> <laughs> He's just staring at the corner. Money. I know I, know I should have said 50000 Money. So, Money. Justin, Justin Williams, Second Gear Software, we're going to ask you a couple of questions, including have you received a lawsuit yet from no. Lodesys? But before Not we yet. do that, oh, you see, you spoiled the tease. Not oh, yet. But I had, trust me, I've got plenty of opinions on this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it and a whole lot more. Justin uh, is here from Second Gear Software. Justin Williams, Andy Anako from the Chicago Sun-Times, Alex Lindsay from the Pixel Core. Me, I'm just your friendly announcer. Here to tell you about Squarespace.com, the secret behind exceptional websites. I'm getting excited. Squarespace sent us a new logo. I have a feeling the new Squarespace 6 is about to come out any minute now. I'm very excited about that. We've all talked about Squarespace. We use it. Alex, you use it for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the secret behind exceptional websites. You can try it free right now. Just go to squarespace.com slash MacBreak. You get hosting plus software. And I think that's really important, that whole hosting plus software. I mean, if you're, getting, if you're trying to put up your first website or you're trying to put up even your, you know, finally getting a site that actually works... And one of the big things that has is always the the whole you know like how do I install it how do I upload it how do I get this all onto some server and what server and colos and you don't have to think about any of that you just have to think about the site that you want you load a template you start working on it and trust and me yesterday running. I was I was in SSH hell uh, downloading the latest WordPress downloading the latest updates to the plugins and I'm I'm going why 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 don't I use Squarespace well you know I use WordPress because I guess I need to know about WordPress so I use it on my personal blog but I tell you. On our company blog, it's Squarespace. And my, my, my personal blog is Squarespace. Yeah, it's just so much Saturday. easier. And plugins updated automatically. In fact, you always get new features, which is kind of fun. You log into your site and you go, oh, look at this. Now they've got a quick integrator or they've got a Flickr integrator or Picasso or Twitter or Facebook for all that social integration you like. And you know, it's really cool. This is an example of how easy it is to use uh, Squarespace. Take a look at the social widgets. For instance, here's the Flickr widget. You could choose between a slideshow. Photographers love this, or thumbnail view. You can completely change everything just with sliders and clicks. So you don't. And you have really to are. Be. You're dragging that widget in, yep. and then you're moving a couple sliders, and then you're done. Couldn't be easier. It you. It's unique to your site. That's one of the things I like about Squarespace. Every site's unique, but it's easy. You don't. You don't need to know JavaScript or CSS to do amazing things. Now, if you do. The sky's the limit because, of course, you can use JavaScript. You can use CSS. You can make a site that is just to, to die for and then use that Squarespace hosting. You'll never run out of bandwidth. The price is right, too. In fact, the longer term you sign up for, the uh, better the deals. In fact, up to 20% off for the uh, long-term plans. $12 a month, that's the basic, including hosting, including software, 
But the best thing to do is try it free. Click that big green button when you go to squarespace.com slash MacBreak. You don't need a credit card. You don't need anything but the name of your site and a password. And boom, you're in. Designing a site. Great way to give a friend or a family member you've been kind of trying to get them on the web. Design a site for them and say, here, I made it for you. Just use it now. A kid going off to school, a new baby, uh, an event your organization's planning. It just couldn't be simpler. Squarespace.com slash MacBreak. We thank them so much for their support of MacBreak Weekly and all the Twit shows. They have just become, I think, I just looked at the numbers, the, our largest advertiser. Uh, which we really appreciate. You know, they're, they're putting some. They're very kind to both Twit and uh, they're, they're good. Yes. I like them. <laughs> I <laughs> like them. <laughs> uh, all right, Lodsys, L-O-D-S-Y-S. Basically, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to slam them, but uh, they're patent, being being accused troll. of being a patent troll because they're patent, patent trolls. Troll. Let's just say it. <laughs> Let's just say it. Patent troll. They're just patent trolls. Um, they claim that they have the patents for in-app purchases and/or app store purchase links in the apps. And they have gone after the smaller iOS developers. They're not going after Apple. Because they would be crushed. Well, Lotsis says Apple is already a licensee, as is Microsoft and Google. So they say Apple's licensed it, but what about you, Justin Williams? What about you? Yeah, this is the part where this is really scary for me because at present time, I think there's about 12 developers that have gotten these letters. I mean, some of them that... The one that's the biggest one out there is James Thompson, the guy who makes a PC Calc, which is a really great calculator app for the iPhone. Uh, Patrick McCarran, who's a guy I know who does a Shanghai Mahjong app. And then just today, the Twitterific guys at the Icon Factory got their letter. And it seems like this is all just centered around uh, in-app purchases. So Lodsys thinks that by having this uh, in-app purchase ability to uh, upgrade from a free version to a paid version, they deserve a percentage of your revenues even though you're using Apple's APIs. Now, which, they, in, they theory, say, I'm, in theory, though, the problem with this is that as a developer, we tend to believe, and I would assume that Apple would think that if they did actually license this, that they would believe that their license would cover us for this. And Lotus is instead saying, well, even if Apple did kind of give us some money, they, their license can't, they, they actually said this on their blog, they can't spray pixie dust on the entire development community. So let's, go after these little guys who definitely do not have the money to fight a patent suit and say, well, you can either go to court for hundreds of thousands of dollars or you can pay us a couple thousand and we'll go away. So it's a racket. They're trying to just shake money out of us. They want 0.575% of U.S. revenue. So they point out, well, if you make a million dollars on in-app purchases a year, you would owe us $5,750. It's not a huge amount of money. Right, but that's the start. So... Yeah. If you've actually looked at their patents, which I'm definitely not a patent attorney, and it, I, I was bored to tears reading this thing, but you have to, it's so vague and it's something from so far ago and it, nothing in it seemed like it was some sort of like great innovation. It was nothing that you couldn't just think of on your own and build eventually without even looking at their patent. And you have to imagine that there's other people out there that have similar patents, not necessarily for in-app purchase, but for other functionality in mobile apps. So if Lodsys wins this, then you're going to be getting calls from patent guy X or patent guy Y saying, oh, well, we want our share too. And then it just becomes a really hard proposition to make money on iOS when all these different people are coming at your pockets. Seems like Apple should do something about this because this, this is, hurts them as much as it hurts I mean, the It seems like they should, they should be suing Lodsys for uh, clarification. 
Right. Yeah. My, my theory on this, based on what I've read, is that if Apple has licenses from LoadSys, as they say they have, I believe that Apple probably thinks that their license covers the entire App Store ecosystem and LoadSys doesn't think that. And they think that everyone should have to license it no matter what the developer is. And it's probably going to have to go to court and it's going to cost everyone a lot of money. <laughs> and then we're going to sit around and wait and kind of wonder. I mean, in the interim, what this has done for me as a developer is that I'm not using any in-app purchases right now. <laughs> you sure as hell don't was, plan to, do you? <laughs> I, yeah, I had plans to use it for some stuff I've been working on, but there's no chance in hell I'm using yeah. it right now until all this is cleared yeah, out. So no, the best thing sense. Apple could do is come out and say, this is what's happened. This is what we're doing about it. This is what we advise you to do. The worst thing they could do is give us the Cupertino silence and say nothing. I'm trying to, you know, think, I mean, I'm trying to remember precedents uh, for this. Of course, every developer uses libraries and APIs provided by the company that makes the hardware or the operating system. That's really standard practice. Microsoft has a, you know, a whole bunch of libraries that every developer uses. And you would think that uh, this, if this really opens a can of worms, because... Uh, if I'm liable because I used a company API or a company toolkit, provided toolkit, if I'm liable for the licensing of that toolkit to a third party, as you say, Justin, that's, this, could, this is a never-ending. I mean, the overarching problem of this is the whole idea of software patents. And I'm right. definitely of the belief that software patents are a terrible thing for this industry. And I think this, is just, this has a definite ability to make things go a lot worse if people start are actually able to pay load sys and set a precedent then i think we're going to be in a for a really bad time as people who applied for these pie in the sky patents back in the early right. 90s come out of the woodwork and say hey we thought of this idea we didn't actually implement anything but we're sitting on the toilet one day and we just thought hey that'd be a good idea someday and then 20 years later hey guys pay up give me some cash i don't i mean i don't you know we talked to dan bricklin about this the creator of the first killer app visicalc and he uh, wrote a very long thoughtful piece on his blog we talked to him last wednesday on triangulation and he said he's essentially in favor of uh, uh software patents i think maybe the issue is not software patents but just the implementation that the, the uspto grants a patent to anybody doesn't really do much due diligence on it the and it just kind of waits for the courts to determine if there's prior art as opposed to saying hey let's see your implementation let's you know prove to me that right. you own this prove to me that you were the first they just say, yeah, 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 whatever you say. That sounds, well, like, biggest, sounds good. Right. The biggest problem is, number one, is that they're not showing an implementation. So the guy who, LoadSys wasn't the people who actually made this patent. No, and and we should say, they are, they, we may use the word patent troll. The politically correct term is, they're a patent holding company. Yes. So, so they, they bought these patents for a giant lump sum. I'll hold that patent they, for you, sir. I'll hold this patent for you. And the guy who created the patent, he didn't actually build anything. So number one, he shouldn't have a if patent. You're, if you're going to have a software patent, you need to show yeah. something that's actually been built. Number right. two, the technology industry moves way too fast for a 20 year patent. Right. These things should be lasting for maybe a year, maybe three years. And in my case, though, I think that software developers all learn and copy from each other. They don't necessarily steal things. But if you look at Delicious Library and you look at iBooks, I mean, somebody somebody stole I, something. There. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't see someone like Will Shipley patenting the idea no. of laying out books in an app on a bookshelf. He was a little I mean, miffed, probably, but he didn't have a patent on it. Right, and I don't. I think that the entire software industry has built built on somebody does something, and the next guy is a competitor, then goes on and improves it. I mean, well, there is a I, fine I, line you have to dance between blatant copying and innovating. But I I think in the in the 
overall, I think that if you're innovating and you're building stuff and you're not just copying, like you would say, a Samsung Galaxy S copies an iPhone, I think it's good without having to go through patents. Well, there's another story. We'll see that one in about <laughs> ten years from now. That lawsuit will be. I, you know, my my. I'm not a patent lawyer. I'm not a lawyer in any by any stretch of the imagination. My understanding of the patent system is that uh, it's to promote openness. It's to promote the notion that if you come up with something really good, you there's a trade. You ex, you expose by publishing a patent. You expose how you did it, and you get in return for letting the world know how you did such a thing you get an exclusive rights to it for a little bit of time, and then the world gets to do it. And it works in cases of big of pharma, pharma, pharmaceuticals, for instance. Uh, we, we have a whole generic pharmaceutical industry because the big pharma is allowed to patent how they made that medicine, reap the benefits of that for 20 years, for a limited amount of time, and then the generics come out, and we all, and society benefits, instead of having it be a, a, a proprietary secret that nobody... Uh, can ever know. Uh, so there is, uh, I think, some merit to the idea. I think one of the one of the real challenges is, is that you know when you start getting to this idea of of patenting ideas, is that you know we're moving from where we made stuff to where the entire society. I mean, this huge part of the economy is ideas, and and when we start having all these crazy patents, it's like basically having toll roads every every three miles. Oh, you want to take a right there? Oh, there's a toll road there. Oh, you want to do a left here? There's a toll road there. I mean, it's this, it's it's almost well. Like the a alternative parallel. to it is trade secret. The alternative is we don't reveal. So uh, you have a choice. Let's and, that's, say, and that's how we do it. Like, for instance, we have a, uh, when we do our keying, our, the way we, there's some magic sauce in how we do green screen keying. Well, that, and, and that, we chose may, that not secret to, may be lost forever because you chose not to patent it. And we did, but we, our, our, our concern was as soon as we show how that works, um, we, we ran across something that was pretty original. And um, we were concerned that someone else would just take it. So that's too small to defend it. That's why patents are there. It's right. to encourage people like this son of a bitch to, <laughs> to tell people their trade secrets but be protected for a little while. And that but the makes way, sense to me. You've chosen to keep it completely secret. I don't blame you. And then what we'll do is as soon as we're done with it, we'll open Well, that relies it. on your goodwill and oh, down but, the road nope. open sourcing. And so many things are lost that way. Right. But, and that's the whole point of this patent system right. is to encourage people to share. So but I don't other, I think it's necessarily a bad idea. I agree with you. There's definitely systemic problems that we're, we're running into right now. But you have little companies example. like us. The, the amount of money that we'd put into to, to, you know, building a patent, protecting a patent, putting that all together would be, you know, uh, would be very difficult for a small company to, to make, make work. And right. it's easier just to keep it secret. Right. You know, and, right. and then you have these patent trolls on the other side. I mean, this is just an, an example of, of why the patent system doesn't work. Anymore. The other issue that you're running into is that you were talking about the pharmaceutical industry. And if you in those industries, these are big companies that are going after one another that have lawyers on staff. They're making billions of dollars. When you see Apple suing HTC or Apple suing Samsung for patent infringement, those are big companies. What Lotus is doing is they're going after small companies like my company or the Icon Factory right. who can't afford to pay a $700 an hour patent attorney. So if they can, instead of suing Apple, they can sue a couple hundred uh, small-time developers and get, let's say, a couple thousand dollars out of each of them. Well, they've made a pretty good payday for writing a couple letters. I have to point out, though, that, that if you eliminate software patents, you're still going to have companies with deep pockets litigating against companies who don't have the resources because even if there's no merit to the litigation, they can win. That's That's... I mean, if you really if you really want to stop that, you eliminate litigation, and I don't think that's a good solution either. I mean, this the whole idea of of having a system is that you have some fair way of figuring these 
thorny problems out. I think I think the, the what's broken right now is deciding what is patentable and and what gets through the patent system. Uh, well, if we those just obviously were tighter, have a crappy PTO. Well, I mean, but that's the you know junk in junk out. You know, so the thing is, is that these uh, patent inspectors are not paying any attention. Well, they're not. They're not. They're not equipped uh, with the technical knowledge to understand what they're looking at. I mean, I think that's the the biggest issue. I that's think that's what we need to do. It's not necessarily scrap the system, but get better patent inspectors. Maybe better rules about this and so forth. Um, I don't know. But the thing we got to do is we have to wait. Apple needs to say something about this. I'm kind of, this came out on Friday morning of last week. So I'm going to try to give them until the weekend to say something. But if this goes on up until WWDC, that's going to be the talk of the show for developers at least. That's, that's, that's what was, was high on my mind. Uh, Most of the letters that they've been sending out has asked for a response before WWDC, uh, which is the first inkling I had that they did not make a colossal tactical error and waiting till after WWDC because they're going to have Apple, Apple employees and every single significant iOS developer in the same building together for several days. And the real danger to that for this patent company is that all these people can have all kinds of conversations for which there will be absolutely zero paper trail. So that if there becomes forms a consensus or if if there wants to be some sort of a sub rosa conversation about here's how we we've here's how we're going to respond to this. Don't worry, we're going to slap them down and slap them down hard. That's exactly the best environment for that sort of conversation to happen. It won't happen on message boards. It won't happen through email. It'll happen through these casual face-to-face conversations. So I'm really curious to see what happens after WWDC, if if there's a whole change in the posture of what all these developers are going to react to this. I think think really Losis is also suing Samsung brother HP and Motorola. So... But think, again, those are big companies versus uh, small guys like the Icon Factory. I, I, I think I'm just they they're not just picking on the Icon Factory. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 this is a but wide... Th- th- see, but th- that, that made me think of something else. I mean, is, this, is the pressure they're putting on small developers largely just a way to put additional pressure on Apple to say, well, you know, we could just simply sell you a larger license that would include, include and incorporate everybody who uses your development platform. Is that part of their strategy? I don't know. I mean, that, that's what I was thinking is it's just pressing like they don't feel like they got as much as they could have out of Apple if, if they actually didn't agree. We don't know. If the, we haven't seen the agreement. We have no idea whether they actually have an agreement with Apple. Maybe all of this is to just pressure Apple to, to if maybe Apple doesn't have an agreement yet and they they're trying to pressure them uh, to do that. Um, I think I think what, what really Lotus should do is, is reach out. I think at WWDC, they should bring their lawyers. They should bring the, the principal holders. <laughs> <laughs> and they should come to the develop, to, to WWDC, and they should meet at a bar, you know, in uh, you know, that's actually a good idea. Idea. to talk about it. I'm, and I'm thinking that would about, imply that the company actually actively wanted a yeah. secret well, and solution. I, and Probably. I'm going to suggest some really excellent places in the Tenderloin. There's some good bars, <laughs> you know. And, and um, Tenderloin, and, and, by the way, for those who don't know San Francisco geography, is kind of the. Uh, Soft the, white uh, underbelly of San Francisco. And remember, Francisco. the best way the best way to to travel throughout San Francisco is alleys. Yeah, you know, dimly lit. <laughs> exactly. Really, they turn off the lights because they know there's going to be a lot of high traffic there. And, and what the I would do is, so people know that you're coming. You're, you're really coming. You should turn Tweet glimpse it. on, turn glimpse on, <laughs> yeah. and go. And then you want to take these little back alleys to the tenderloin, and, <laughs> and 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 whoever makes it to the to that bar, then we can actually then have. Oh, it's kind of the Darwinian <laughs> patent system. 
Actually, uh, Apple, according to The Guardian today in an article, uh, says uh, uh, that Apple is, quote, actively investigating the merits of this. So I think uh, I think you're right. I think we'll hear something from Apple on this. It just takes time. It's like the yeah. location stuff. They took a week to uh, respond to it. But when they responded, I think most people thought what their response was was pretty good. And I can only hope that they're going to give us a good response, say, this is what this happened. This is why it happened. And this is what we're going to do. Or this is what we advise you to do. Yeah. As long yeah. as they do that, I'll be happy. Well, as you point out, Justin, it has a chilling effect because you're not going to put in app purchases in until you hear some resolution on this. Yeah, I'm not touching that stuff with a 10-foot pole. Fortunately, you don't need to, but... Uh, I do think it's important that Apple, if if they think that they're in the right, they should be merciless about whatever they do legally. I mean, you know, they should, you know, pound this... Con- <laughs> when has Apple ever shown mercy? <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I think that this is really important for them to make sure it's clear not only are they going to handle this, but they're going to, dr- you know, really make this expensive. You know, um, I think that's probably what they're considering is, is the, which... Uh, tactical nuke they would like to employ yeah. here you know you know and um uh you know they're looking through the library um across the <laughs> you know across the front there because i think it is important for them to def- defend their de- developers and have people get clear that if you pick on our developers you know you're picking on us and you know we're gonna yeah, take the app store is a big business for apple and getting developers to be concerned to use the platform because of pending patent infringement letters coming in is definitely not something they want. It's definitely not something any mobile platform provider wants. Well, and I think we're really fortunate this conversation is happening now because I think that in-app purchases, both from the Mac app store and the iOS store, are going to become massive. I'll and, tell you, and if I you're a publisher, that's... they're huge because, you know, I was thrilled because now I can get the New Yorker and uh, and because they were able to do in-app purchases instead of having to download a new magazine every week because I'm a subscriber, I can get it for free. Well, so there's a huge benefit to having an app purchase. If, if you imagine a company like uh, Adobe, I mean, if they, I'm not saying, let's say they, they built a little version not of Photoshop. Not that you know anything. No, 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 I don't. No, this is like, I'm totally making this up. Okay. So it, like, so let's say that they had like a little uh, editing app, an image editing app or whatever, and they started all the plugins that Adobe makes. What if you could buy all those plugins you know, right inside of Photoshop. Just what you need. You know, uh, oh, it would be crazy. You know, like, you know, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to go anywhere. You wouldn't have to, and, and that could turn into a massive business. You get to a point where you sell the core, you give away the core app and sell all the, the add-ons and everything else. Um, and, and I think it's, a, it's, it could be massive, but it, it won't, you know, this is, this has to be sorted out. And it's, it's fortunate that's happening now rather than suing when everyone's got their feet right. deep into the cement. Hey, Justin, I meant to ask you, you saw, you use Dropbox, Elements uses Dropbox, which is really the thing that puts it over the top for me. But that and it's good looks. It's very, oh, thank it's, you. Yeah, it's a very beautiful uh, application. Um, but did, you, you saw that there's a little uh, frou-frou going on about Dropbox. They're being accused of lying, essentially. Uh, as we found out a couple of weeks ago uh, with the change of uh, service, uh, license that uh, Dropbox will turn your data over to federal uh, or uh, state or local government officials if required to do so. That's pretty normal, except that Dropbox was telling us for a long time, we don't have access to your data because you encrypt it and we don't have the keys. It's obvious now that Dropbox does, in fact, have the keys. Oh, you mean this key? Yeah. Oh, that key. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh that oh, this key. One you were speaking oh, of. oh, yeah, we have that key. <laughs> and so now they're being accused of lying about the fact that they didn't have access to your data. And uh, I think it's some legitimate concerns that maybe uh, Dropbox uh, didn't want us to know that they, in fact, could look at any, anything we post on there. You you use Dropbox for your program. I mean, uh, what's your what's your thought on that? Um, I mean... I think there's a trade-off when you use these cloud services like Dropbox or Google Docs or Box.net and that whenever I use these things, I don't assume that I have full privacy and I'm willing to give up a little bit of that for the convenience. I mean, I haven't followed this enough to actually say what Dropbox was saying and what they said now. But I mean, 
in in my case, I it, it's not anything that makes me be that much of be outraged that much because yeah. I always have assumed that they have access to my stuff just because it's on their servers. I mean, there has to be a way for them to get at it. I think this only bites people who believed Dropbox when they said, no, we don't have access to your data. And so we're putting data on there that was... When you're, when you're offering a service for free, and obviously they do have a paid account, but in general, it's a free service. And when you're offering something for free, there is some sort of trade-off like this. So... I'd, it's not nothing like this shocks me anymore. I always assume that if I'm signing up for a free service, I'm the thing that's being sold. Right. It's not I'm in this sure. case. They're not selling it to marketers or anything. It just yeah. uh, they 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 don't you. If you wanted to encrypt it, you should encrypt it before you send it to Dropbox because the key that they uh, give you to encrypt your data, which you know they're very proud of, it is in fact in their possession. And it's pretty obvious to anybody who knows about crypto that that had to be the case. I I think it really comes down to how how important it is to have really good communications majors keep keeping track of everything that leaves the company and goes into the company because I don't tend to think that this is just my take on it but I don't tend to think that they were trying to deceive people into thinking that you know there's a level of privacy that wasn't there I think that within the company they understand the difference between well it would be really really difficult for us to get act for anybody to get access to individual users data but they don't appreciate the difference between saying that and saying that, no, it's not possible for anybody inside this office to get access to people's data. Uh, but I think that we also need to help educate people as cloud services become more prevalent, that there is there is on the Internet and there is not on the right. Internet. If your information is right. not on the Internet, it can't be accessed or right. probably can't <laughs> with, normal, with the normal means. If it is on the Internet doesn't matter that it's not on a web page doesn't matter you didn't link to it doesn't matter that it's in a box.net or dropbox or your google docs or anything like that assume that it can't be compromised and this is this is kind of one of the reasons why i don't even particularly like uh, uh online backup systems because it's god if you have access to my entire if someone gets access to my entire hard drive that's everything that is Everything I'm thinking, everyone I'm doing business with, everybody I've ever told, don't worry, don't worry, I will absolutely never tell this to anybody else. And that's an email that could be somewhere out there. Again, there's on the Internet and there's not on the Internet. And really, yeah. it's just that simple. I agree with you. I tell everybody, if you put it on the Internet, assume that it's not it's not private. And, and of course, the, the danger when you do that is not being able to get to it where you're, you know, no, no matter where you are. I mean, that's the, that's our big advantage. Oh, we, that's, so, the trade-off. So that's the trade-off. You just have to, you know, the trade-off is every time you, you know, use your credit card, someone's tracking it every time you, right. you know. Uh, so it's good know, for us to know. It's good right. to be, yeah. It's a lesson learned for the Dropbox guys. I mean, yeah. I can't really think of anything they've done too terrible since they've been around. This is kind of the first kind of negative publicity. Well, they had. shouldn't have said we don't have access. When they yeah, did, right, when but they but what they did, what they've done is they've most likely they've learned from this lesson, and so they're going to go on and improve it. And it wasn't really, I don't think that what they did was with malice. I don't think that they actually intended to deceive no. people. I just think no. it was probably nerds trying to explain things in common terms, and we nerds aren't always that great at right. explaining stuff. Right. Sometimes they just left out the closet, said except, except, except yeah, if somebody wants to know. <laughs> Gun and badge equals yes, sir. Here's yes, their sir. data, yes, sir. Here's your data. <laughs> Hewlett-Packard has decided not to put Thunderbolt in its next desktop PCs, instead opting for USB 3.0. According to uh, HP, we did look at Thunderbolt. We are still looking into it, but we haven't found a value proposition yet. USB 3.0 has more installed devices. Is that a blow to Thunderbolt? 
Uh, I don't think so. I think that, well, I mean, I think that at the beginning... Does, does Thund- anybody care what HP does? <laughs> no, not really. I, I think that the, the thing is, is that Thunderbolt, I believe, and, and from what I understand of the two formats, is that it's going to have a lower CPU hit. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's faster. Uh, the, way that, the way that you're chaining well, the devices Thunder, together... Is Thunderbolt to USB 3.0 as FireWire was to USB 2.0? In other words... It's more like FireWire was to USB 1. one. You know, so um, I think that's the... That's the issue, and the problem with USB is that there's just a lot of overhead, a lot of CPU overhead that well, we know. It's also not peer to is Thunderbolt peer to peer, or is it? Uh, I am. I understand that it. I, I, that's master's, I think it, master slave s- system because that's USB yeah. requires a smart device on one end and a dumb device on the other end. FireWire did not. You could FireWire two cameras together, for instance. Right. They, they were, it was a peer system. I wonder uh, which I don't Thunderbolt. Know, I don't know is. the answer to that. Our chat room probably yes. does, and will tell me in moments. Uh, but the I thing think with Thunderbolt is that there's no devices for it yet, which right. is probably what I assume HP is saying is that there's no devices for it yet. And, and I don't really consider a Windows user that goes into a Best Buy. I don't think that you can sell them on, hey, well, there's this port on the back that really does nothing right now, but someday it might. Whereas with a Mac guy, we can yeah. say, well, eventually this is going to play out really well. And people that use Macs will say, oh, cool, this will make me have a more future-proof Mac that's going to last for several years down the road. Until assuming Apple kills people it actually, for something else. Well, and, 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 also, and, also realize, and also realize that uh, when Apple put the, the Thunderbolt port on the on the MacBooks, they really didn't have to do anything except for simply say, you know, this mini display port, it's still a mini display port, but in a few months time, it will do things other than be a mini display port. Whereas HP, they already have a VGA connector for that sort of stuff. And I think that it would be sort of an interesting, it would have to be a different commitment on their part. Also, they I think they realize there's really no rush to embrace Thunderport. That's it's Thunderbolt. It's more of a 2012 feature, even for Mac people, than a 2011 feature. Yeah, the, I think the, the folks that are going to really benefit from Thunderbolt uh, in 2011 is gonna, are going to be video professionals in the second right. half of the year. Uh, when you look at the video and photography professionals uh, specifically, or anyone doing anyone needing to move that kind of data, uh, I think it's going to make a massive difference for them. Uh, but I, I think that the, those are the primary benef- benefactors. Then we'll have to see what happens after that. I wouldn't be surprised if you could make Thunderbolt to support USB three. Yeah, I, I, I bet you there's going to be a little dongle that yeah. has a that has a Thunderbolt connector and a USB three. You know, and you'll just be able to pop your US three USB three in, and then you don't have to think about it. USB three is such a PC technology, isn't it? I mean, it just sounds like it belongs on a Windows machine. Well, it's funny that it really became it became that because Apple Apple start Apple. was the first first computer to install USB, right? And the, uh, uh, IMAX, the early IMAX. Then we got into this tug of war between FireWire and uh, and USB and SCSI and SCSI. <laughs> the late lament is Mister uh, SCSI. Hey, I, I I picked up a drive. I was like, I wonder what's on this drive, and I looked at it. I was like, Oh, it's. SCSI. I guess I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. You can get. Yeah, we know. Don't send me an email. I know you can get something to make yeah. it work, but. So uh, let's see. I need some way to look at my iOmega drives. My little iOmega zip, zip drives. Yeah. Well, you need a parallel port. Yeah. Apparently, according to Mac in Rumors.com, Apple has trademarked the name for a new app. This just in, actually, it's from Patently Apple via Mac Rumors. Noteworthy. Ooh. Uh oh. Ooh. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Patently I, what? I, 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 I can get you Google's phone number for that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll help yeah. you out here. Yes, now, remember, Apple trademarks a lot of stuff. Doesn't mean they're going to make it. Apple's latest trademark for Noteworthy points to new iPhone app. Initiate scanner mode, capture images of surfaces, send images to stitching module. Hmm. 
It's European Trademark Office. Sounds so like it's maybe it's Evernote clone. Yeah, maybe it's more a threat to Evernote. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Microsoft's done very well with OneNote. Uh, there's definitely a market in the tablet space for note-taking apps that use stylus. Um, now it looks like it's a scanner, which wouldn't really yeah. uh, wouldn't hurt elements at all, Justin. So ah, uh, good. Okay, well, breathe a sigh. We don't, of need, we, don't need, we don't need to call Google yet. Not yet. <laughs> So, yeah, this is probably looks like it's another uh, thing that the uh, mythical North Carolina data center is going to solve, a uh, cloud-based note and capture apps for the There's iPhone. somebody inside Apple who's just spinning this stuff out. Like it's the, like the disinformation guy. Oh, yeah, let's get a patent for this, and we'll pretend it's going to North Carolina. And, and, and I just think that they are having so much fun with us right now. Well, and I think that they, but they get into a situation where they have to, because of these patent they trolls, patent everything. they patent every idea that they have so that, so that somewhere down the road they want to use it, they can say, well, we already talked about that. When you have a building full of lawyers, you might as well. You got to give them something to do. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that patent, it's, it's always funny to watch to read that site, but it's just, I think it causes more confusion than clarity. On the other hand, I think Apple could, would make a lot of sense to add a note taking program to uh, iWork. That's a very hot category that Apple isn't really fulfilling. Well, I, think, I, I, I know I, you I don't think, like it, Justin, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I, I'm aiming for a different market than the note-taking market in, in essence. But, I mean, for the iPhone version of Elements, it's a really great notes app. But for the iPad, I'm aiming more at people like Andy who are trying to write long-form stuff right. than just wanting right. to jot down my grocery list. Good. I think most people would so, be happy if they just made the notes feature in Mail actually work well. Uh, I don't know anybody who's happy. The, the Mail has so many features that outside of just its uh, the, its namesake features. I don't know many people who are really happy with any of them. Yeah, I I I, I got into this research and and I tried to figure out the best note taking app for like the iPad and I and I find that all of them are just kind of like so close. You know, you know, but right. none of them. You know, I wanted to have I wanted to have the the. Uh, um, you know, really, really good. I want it to look good when I'm writing on it, but I, you know, I, I want to type, but I don't type that often on it. I want it to, I really, what I really want is to have it be something that's a really nice experience, you know, that is doing well, some, you want to have typing or do you want to have, t uh, you know, just kind of like, like, so penultimate, drawing. in my opinion, is probably the best, the best, uh, image, like, uh, writing quality. If I want to do it with my finger or a you little gotta look stylus. Um, Note taker HD. This is Dan Brooklyn's program. He came on and talked about it. Um, well, here's 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 also it's kind my kind of issue. deep, and that's part of the problem. Oh, it's hard it. to it's hard to figure out what it can do. Yeah, I have it right here. You do note taker, it. yeah. And, and so the problem with note taker is that it it doesn't the the quality of the of the when I'm when I'm actually writing isn't nearly as high as penultimate. You can pop up a a, a window a, a bottom window that you can draw, and then it is small. You should. I'll check it out. I it's kind of you know it's, it's opaque, unfortunately. You know, well, what I'm saying is, it's like when you look at when you look at this quality. No, um, I know. Pop up a text. You need to pop up the bottom text window. All right. And then All you right. can anyway. I don't anyway, so a on so the, the um, but anyway, so the uh, what I found though is that it didn't it didn't feel like it wrote as well. But then the other thing that I really want is to to have audio. You know, I wanted to record the audio while I'm taking notes, so I right. had one of those little you know, and, and I and that and having that feature really work well right. for meetings is just massive. That's huge, you know. And and, and yeah. if I if I could just have those two things together, and I don't want it to do a lot of things, I just right. want it to do those two things I uh, where I can just tap on the words that I that I was writing while I was in the meeting, and it plays back the audio. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that do those things. It's just that with note taking, it doesn't seem like they're all yeah. coming together.
Yeah. That's a category that's always disappointed me. That's that's the reason why whenever I'm at events, I always have one paper notebook in my shirt pocket, a second paper notebook in my laptop right. bag, and maybe I'll have the ambition that this new app that I downloaded for my desktop or my iPad a couple weeks ago will be finally the one where I could actually follow along. And if I accidentally mistype something, I'm not going to screw everything up and not be able to get back into you know the, the moment that I want to start to record. And it always comes down to I'll either write it. The, the pen is the only one that will not make any mistakes. I've actually been using the LiveScribe pen off and on and finding that it's a nice little hybrid between it's the one recording device that will always allow me to make notes where I want them, plus giving me the added advantage of maybe I can actually get them back in some sort of a digital format well, later on. And the LiveScribe is exactly, which I have, uh, is exactly what I want on an iPad. You know, like I just want that experience that I have yeah. with LiveScribe uh, without the paper part and the pen part. <laughs> Interesting. Um, let's do a couple more stories and we're going to get your, uh, your picks of, uh, of the week. Apple will be at book expo to promote iBookstore. It's the first time uh, Apple's appeared at the big, this is, is this, it's not book fair, but it's one of the big book shows, right, Andy? How's iBookstore uh, doing? I don't know. It's so crappy. I mean. In terms of selection, I like yeah, it's no, in that's face, the problem. I, I want to. I want it. The, the the quality of the experience is better, in my opinion. Oh, than, it's a great than experience. my Kindle app. Yeah. But but um, it's just I can never find the books that I want. Yeah, the, I think the iBookstore has two big problems. One is that selection that just doesn't have that slam. It doesn't have the idea that I'm going to go to the store and if I, if this book I want is not available in the store, then I know it's simply not available. It's, no, I should have gone to the Kindle store to begin with. And the second problem is that you know for a fact that all these books that you're buying, and I can buy hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of books a year, will only ever be readable on uh, on Apple devices. And I know that Amazon is absolutely agnostic and ecumenical when it comes to device independence, that they're going to essentially any device that I will ever have will at some point have a Kindle client, as long as it's not made by RAM, of course. But <laughs> but uh, I will always have I'll always have the hundred dollar book reader. I'll be able to read it on my thousand dollar notebook. I'll be able to read it on my five hundred dollar iPad. There's very, very little upside to me to buying anything from the iBookstore iBooks is also inconvenient in that uh, one of the great things about the uh, Kindle, besides it being platform agnostic, is that if I'm just walking down the street and someone mentions a book to me, I can go to the Amazon Kindle store on my phone and do it. Or if I'm sitting at my desk and I somebody recommends a book to me, I just go to Amazon and Safari or Chrome on my Mac. With the uh, iBooks, I have to launch the iBooks app on my iPad or my phone and do it. I, there's not that ubiquity of being on every different device, but it's also not available to access either, even through iTunes or the web. Well, I know what we were going to talk about. Uh, iPhone rumors, the 4S. Um, any, I don't know what they are. What are the rumors? It's going to have a little bit, teeny-weeny bit bigger screen. It's going to go, yeah, edge to edge, I guess, you know, on the uh, no, The phone won't be the bigger, sides. the bezel will be smaller. Oh, is that it? Yeah, I think the screen's bigger, but the phone is the same size. Right, it's going to have a bigger size. screen, and then it's going to have the, uh, I think they said it's going to have a teardrop design where, like, the back is going to have, like, an angle to it, I guess. it's They're calling it the unicorn teardrop design. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad joke. Thank you, Andy. That was it. I, I mean, other, the only thing that I think Everything people you know say is funny, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> he wants his the only thing people know that it's going to have, it's going to have an A5 chip like the iPad right. 2 has, right. which is going to be great because now that I have an iPad 2, my iPhone 4 is so slow. Oh, that's interesting. You notice that. I uh, notice it. Oh, I, I notice it all the time now, which really? drives me nuts because up until three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago when I got my iPad 2, my iPhone 4 is the fastest thing ever. <laughs> It's funny how relative it is. 
I think that I no, I I think that the the speed hit is for me on the iPhone is the idea that it's this tiny little keyboard, this tiny <sighs> little screen that I still have to navigate, and you could give me an i7 processor and it would still be a lot yeah. slower than the iPad. I've yeah. never noticed a speed difference between those two. Yeah, well, I can type fast. You could type fast on the iPad, Andy. Uh, using the virtual keyboard, I can get about forty to fifty words per wow. minute. Wow. Oh, I can get that on the iPhone. I can't type for anything on the iPad, though. I have to use a uh, Bluetooth keyboard. I actually find it yeah. easier to type on the iPhone. Really? Like if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm sending back people emails, it's the funny thing, funniest thing yeah. is that I, I'm like, oh, I'd rather just do it on my iPhone than and I write really long emails. Do you emails. do thumb typing or tap with your um, forefinger? Uh, I, do, uh, I do tap with my finger. Tap, tap like that. I just have an index Two finger. Two thumb just, jockeys, my friend. Yeah, this I, is the I way to do it. Two I that I can't do very well. Really, hey, generation like Y people with like your it. flared trousers and your text messaging and your MySpace. Ah, <laughs> uh, you kids and your two thumbs. <laughs> Us Generation Xers, we were built. A, we 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 grew up with a different way. We 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 think we don't. <laughs> so connect. I'm just happy to have learned that there is a website called Stop It AT and T. Stop it, and uh, they came up with an interesting job posting uh, from Apple for a carrier engineer responsible for day-to-day -day technical interactions with one or more carriers to track down issues reported by the cell phone carrier the job posting for kansas city missouri what is there a carrier in kansas city kansas city oh sprints in Sprint. kansas city interesting because as soon as this post went up on stop at at&t the uh, location of the job got moved to cupertino <laughs> <laughs> which makes it even more suspect so i think that means we will probably see a sprint iphone I, the, the, I mean the big questions that i have around the iphone is because most of the features i think are, are pretty well set I, I think that the issue is is like i find myself wanting to get an android or wanting to get a modem because i want 4g you know i want the 4g speed um and i think that seeing it work on all the different uh, carriers seems to be a uh uh, almost assumed at this point, I think. Yeah, and then right. near once they unlocked the uh, Verizon, the magic of Verizon to have the iPhone on two carriers in the U.S. I right. think from that point on, it was obvious that it's going to hit all four because the, up in I'm pretty sure the U.S. was the only country that was that had this sort of exclusive exclusivity agreement with AT and T. Right. Every other country has multiple carriers. Yeah, it made sense. They needed to uh, get a CDMA device going, but once having done that, there's no reason not to be on Sprint. Right. And uh, T-Mobile, I guess, too, since it's a GSM. They can, right. Yeah. So I think that I think they're figuring that out. But I, I think the near field, I think, is going to be – it's got to be coming close. Yeah, that's the other uh, – we talked about it earlier. The other uh, big rumor is that Apple's really going to move forward with the NFC, which allows you to wave your phone and, at a at a terminal and charge stuff or other things. I mean, I, mean, I, I think that if, if, they, if they released an iPhone with – uh, NFC, uh, uh, 4G, and a, and a higher resolution camera. I think if that's all they did, I would, I would go. I really it. just don't see them doing this NFC stuff. And the reason yeah. I say, I think they'll do it eventually, but where do you, where can you actually use this in practice right now besides Google's campus? Like, okay. where's the action? I, I mean, I, other than add them adding it to an Apple store, but I, where I just, else can I go and wave my phone and pay for stuff? I guess my question, though, is that with the iPhone market as big as it is, it's who would use it once it was available on, every, on all these iPhones? With millions of iPhones, people would start using it pretty quickly, I think. Mm. I think that's well, the issue. Yeah, well, there's a difference between selling something to phone consumers and selling something to everybody. 
when you get to every CVS and every McDonald's and every Starbucks, uh, it's such an uphill climb. I'm not sure if Apple really wants to get involved in that. And the second thing is that I'm not even sure that uh, you talk about not Generation X, not Generation Y, but whatever it is that comes underneath Generation Y, I think that's going to be the first generation to simply trust the fact that I'm going to allow this device that's in my pocket, largely unguarded inside my pocket, to be responsible for making direct debit transactions. I mean, if you put, if, if, uh, if the iPhone 5 had that feature built in, that's the first time I would A, make sure that my iPhone was in a case at all times, and B, make sure that case were made out of some sort of copper mesh. It would be in a Faraday cage when I'm not actually using it. I'd be very, very concerned about the ability for someone to simply just basically surf next to it, uh, uh, brush past next to it, and get access to that transponder. Huh. Apple would do it very, very well, but I would not use that until I was, I'd really satisfied myself that there was... It's almost impossible for someone to commit fraud just by being in an elevator with me. Well, if you feel that way, I, I have a feeling that the that maybe consumers would feel that way. Maybe NFC is just not going to happen because of that kind of a, a fear. Yeah, but I, I, th I really think it's a generational thing. Uh, if if you look at the technical specs for a lot of these things, it's exceptionally difficult. When the when the when uh, there was a specification that. Uh, a consortium was trying to promote three or four years ago uh, that if it's done the way that the specification demands that it be done, it is actually exceptionally difficult on the level of it would take a government to be able to simply be somewhere within 10 feet of you and be able to, 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 to transact with that ship. But you know how these things get implemented, that someone makes some suggestions, some, someone makes some suggestions somewhere saying, you know what, it would cost us $50 per transaction unit device in this store to make this this secure. But you know what, if we just use this this uh, this uh, this two generation old hardware, that would drop down to $10 per unit and would really be just as secure, honestly. <laughs> so that's that's where well, the fear comes from. I right? think the danger is, is that, you know, the danger for any company that thinks that they can't pay attention to security is all you have to do is say is Sony PlayStation Network. <laughs> you know, like, like you know, like if you don't think that it's it's gonna it's gonna yeah, come back and point. get you, yeah. you know the, the the it's it's not the you know the, the, it's the the risk is really on their end of of you know fourteen thousand people's personal information or a hundred thousand people's or a million people's personal information. That's it's it is, uh, you know that's billions of dollars of damage. You know um that that is uh, that the Sony's going to have to absorb and and so the. Uh, you know, I think that that is where companies will. That's why they'll spend a little extra on security. I know we've been like, we our e-commerce was uh, our original e-commerce was built by guys that worked at the uh, Department of Energy, and so the security guys. And so, like, we didn't know we really couldn't give you get your credit card number. <laughs> like, like we couldn't get you know, like you would order it, and it was so it was so cardened off from us. There was absolutely no way that we could actually get that. And, and so the um and and but that is the uh, uh you have to kind of pay attention to it at that level. I think that um. I think the other thing, though, is that I think we are so much less secure than we think we are. You know, like when my when my wife will not, you know, she won't do something. She wants to fax somebody the the credit card number instead of talk to them. You know, like there's this like your wife she, really? She's that smart. She can get she can get into all of this <laughs> stuff. But I'm just kind of like, and then there's a person on the other end that that, right. that writes it down. Right. You know, you know, or or there's a or you're talking somewhere and you're giving out your credit card number or you know, it, and and when I you know well, I ordered screwed it. no matter what. That's I know that's the whole thing. Is it's just kind of like you know you, you obviously need to take precautions, but you need to also realize that as soon as you walk out your door, you know it's you're not secure. Right. And even there, you're not really. The future of the iPhone 4S or iPhone 5 or whatever it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be so much that they're going to be showing off great new hardware. They'll do some refinements to it, but I think the future is definitely going to be what they're adding in iOS 5, which I have no idea what they're adding, 
But I think software is where you're going to see them be highlighting a lot of yeah. stuff is all the new OS features yeah. because the hardware is good enough. I mean, they can adjust in a few things and tweak a few things to make you look like you're buying something brand new. But when they're, when they're highlighting things in the commercial, other than a couple of commercials, they're highlighting software. I don't know if this is a huge story. Uh, Other World Computing, which sells uh, third-party uh, uh, hard drives. Um, they, I bought their uh, solid-state drive upgrade for my MacBook Air, but very happy with it. Really added a lot of uh, uh, storage space. And they say speed, although it's so fast already I couldn't really tell. They, uh, they say you cannot install third-party hard drives in the new Sandy Bridge iMacs. Mm. According to Other World Computing, Apple has altered the SATA power connector in such a way that removing the hard drive from the system or even the bay where it resides will cause the hard drive sp- fan to spin at maximum speed forever. <laughs> so if you place a third-party drive in there, even if it's the same model the app was uh, was uh, the uh, uh, computer was shipped with, it will fail the Apple hardware test. You got to be brave to take apart an iMac, though. That I thing, know. I did it once. I took this one apart. We put a ter- you have to use suction cups <sighs> to pop off the screen. You got to suck off the it. screen. You've, then you've got to actually replace the drive. And then you've got to put the screen back on and make sure you don't get any dust inside of it. I, I have to say, though, that big of a deal. I brought my son's iMac, 500 gig hard drive, died. And I, having put a terabyte in this one, decided I'm not going to take I saw Colleen do it. I said, no way I'm doing that. I brought it to the Apple store. I said, can I put a terabyte in? They said, no, we have to, whatever comes out is what we put in. You cannot upgrade it. So there are limitations to what you can do in the Apple store. You're stuck with basically the same hard drive. Um, hard drives I do fail. You're not going to replace it yourself, and you're not going to be able to increase the uh, capacity. It's going to be an Apple. Although I have solution. to say that the, the issue that I have now is that with Thunderbolt, you know, to get back to Thunderbolt, with the Thunderbolt connection, just on do the, an external. On the, you just do an external drive. It's going to actually be faster than the internal drive. Yeah, You yeah. know, that's the... Um, yeah, that's, that, that's really a typical Apple response. There, if you if you tell them, "Hey, this is terrible. I can't open up my iMac and do my own hard drive repair," their answer is, "Why would you want to put a new hard? Why would you put a want to put a larger why hard drive in there to? when we can when we can give you a much faster hard drive just by plugging it in?" Sir? <laughs> so it's got a beautiful screen. Um, there's the suction cups. <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's like, like it's like Mission Impossible. Yeah, you need Spider Man <laughs> to get into it. Uh, you lift. This is Colleen did this. I saw her do it. Now, once you get that screen up, and don't drop it, of course, because it's glass. But then the stuff is fairly accessible. It's not such a big deal to do things like pull out the hard drive. Um, but it's the it it is nerve wracking to use suction cups and lift that big panel out. Mm. Can you well, still the, easily replace the uh, drives in the MacBook Pros, or have they? Oh yeah, made that no, more difficult that. too. No, that's 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 an easy uh, as long as you got the the right screwdriver and it's uh, way it's torques. easily available. Yeah, when I when I got my uh, when I bought my new MacBook a few weeks ago, first thing I did was crack it open and do some swap ins and swap. Oh, outs. good. Now, and what kind of RAM? RAM and hard drive are still really easy to to, to swap. I out bought my new Mac Pro has a SSD drive in it. Is it a full size SSD or is it like that little card that they do in the uh, Air? Uh, I have a uh, I have a MacBook Pro, so it uses standard two and a half inch. Uh, it's uh, just a regular uh, drive. HDD. Okay. So basically, anything anything you can put in a set of rails will fit in there. I got so I got to put one in there because I like the uh, I want a bigger drive. 128 turns out to be too small. Yeah, that, 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 and that's that's another. That, that, that's, can you that's still fit the system on 128? <laughs> oh, you can. Yeah, yeah. 64 is easy. So I did that on my Air, and you're right. It was very even on the Air. It was very easy because once you remove the aluminum, it's all just sitting there. 
It was very. It couldn't have been easier to uh, to upgrade the hard drive on that. I think. I think for me, the big thing is that I've just been slowly externalizing all of my data. I mean, I think that you know when you get into these SSDs and you know, it, I just I've been really focused on not right. getting bigger internal drives, drives and really just having yep. external you know yep. access to it or servers that I'm going to access or it's whatever. For travel purposes for me, I just want a little more storage space yep. for pictures and stuff as I travel about. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming up, our uh, picks of the week. Justin, if you've got something, it can be your software. It's okay. I've got things for you that are not my software, although you could buy my software if you do like me that much. I could tell you that both Today and Elements have been previous MacBreak Weekly picks, even without you around. And so we thank you very much for that, Leo. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we love both of your programs. All right, let's take a little break. We'll come back. Actually, Andy's got a little recommendation for us because it's Audible time. Audible, that bookstore where you can get over uh, 70,000 audio books. Just a wonderful collection. It's my, I, you know, it's, if I had to pick one favorite website, it might well be Audible because it saves my life pretty much all the time, um, whether I'm in the car, uh, at the gym. There's plenty of times I can't hold a book, but I want to read. And it's really brought reading back into my life, which I love. I got big, uh, I got big long flights and I'm, I'm stocking up. I'm ready. Yeah. You know, it's every time, every time before I leave, that's my opportunity to go to Audible and buy a bunch of books. And, uh, you know, what am I going to listen to? On this flight, what am I going to listen to on that flight? Yeah, uh, really interesting uh, stuff. Well, I'm going to get this one. It looks like the psychopath test: a journey through the madness industry. But before we do that, let's. Uh, <laughs> I do need this, however. I do. <laughs> I do want to get. Andy hasn't had a pick in quite a while, and I want to give him a pick. Here's the deal: you go to audible.com/slash/macbreak. You sign up for the gold account. Your first month's free. Your first book is free. So what we're giving you here is a book you can get. Absolutely free. You can cancel any time. The book is yours to keep forever. And Andy, who is a big Audible listener, always has something of interest <laughs> to pick. This is really an interesting one. Yeah, this is a good one because, I mean, a lot of people know that uh, I'm a big Audible listener and read a lot of books. And they're always asking me, Andy, has there ever been a really funny book written in Czechoslovakian about World War One? <laughs> and I say, yes, there has. Uh, <laughs> it's a book called The Good, the good Soldier Swank. Uh, and it's a really remarkable book uh, written in like the early 20s in Czechoslovakian, but it's a it's a satire it's it's a satire of war and culture and society in Europe at that time, and it's about this this eldest old like sort of worn out soldier Schweik, who goes basically makes his way through the army through the culture through the the, the political situations of the time and as sort of like a, a lieutenant Columbo where nobody is really sure if he's an idiot or if he is actually incredibly subversive because he's the sort of person where if if the if the commissar asks him so how are things in the ranks he'll say oh it's terrible the uh, you know the, do you know that our, oh it's it's okay except for when our captain is drunk and is seeing seeing his mistress on the side and then there's a lot of people who are thinking, no, he's just stupid and fall. And then there are people who are thinking, no, no, we must, we must detain him. We must look at him. He managed, he managed to get through all kinds of interesting situations. But the thing is, it's not just, it's not there to make you think. It's actually there to, to make you laugh. He is uh, the inspiration for uh, Sergeant Schultz in Hogan's <laughs> Heroes, I think. Yeah, and you'll you'll see a lot of you'll see a lot of echoes in Mash and Catch Twenty Two. Basically, every single military comedy about people who are not fitting in well with authority, uh, and basically authority being more or less incapable of dealing with some someone as simple and direct. It's a classic theme, isn't it? I mean, the Sergeant Bilko. All I mean, it's a classic theme. You know, I don't know why, but I've read this uh, many years ago. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't. But seriously, I mean, it's not well known, and I just and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. So I'm, yeah, I, and I, I got to say that I, I I was completely unaware about this book until three or four weeks ago when I was in a bookstore and I saw the the, the, the illustrations that are as closely illust closely linked with this book uh, as oh, yes. uh, Tennille's illustrations are with uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I, I recognized the good soldier Schweik immediately over your shoulder. Yeah. And so it was one, and I, I, I am one of those people who's killing traditional bookstores because <laughs> I could have spent nine dollars, not nine and a half dollars, to actually buy this book in the bookstore. No, I took a picture of the cover with my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> went, went back went, right from the iPhone. So, oh, it's actually not only not only it's the the ebook version is coming out later in this year, later this year. But I can get the Audible version right now. Okay, I'll get the Audible version, and, and it's a great Audible version because this guy, you know, sometimes sometimes. You have readers who will read the text right. in one tone of voice. And then there's a guy who, well, I'm going to talk. This character sounds like this. Well, but he's talking to this oh, clerk right now. And the clerk talks like this. I and love it, that. it doesn't get on your nerves at all. It's actually a really, really good performance for a very, very great number of hours. I can't wait. The good soldier Shike. S V E J K. If you're looking good, for it, good luck with that. Just, just <laughs> search for the good soldier and just go from yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> don't don't even try it, Jaroslav Hostel. I'm sure I'm sure you're not going to get the author either. No, just, you know, no. A good soldier will probably get you there. It does. In fact, that's how I found it. Audible.com/slash/MacBreak. Sign up for the gold account. Get your first book free. This could be one, but there's so many other choices: bestsellers, business classics, young adult, kids, teens, sci-fi and fantasy too. Oh, wait a minute. Fry's English Delight. Looks like there's some Stephen Fry on here as well. Audible. Mm, Audible.com slash MacBreak. Your first one's free. But I can guarantee you, you won't stop at one. <laughs> Audible.com slash MacBreak. We thank them so much for their support. Now it's time for our picks of the week. I've got one that I don't know. I'm going to start this time. And I don't know if, I, if Andy's tried this or not. I'm really going to defer to your judgment on this. It was. This is an example of me uh, finding something on the App Store that I said, wow, that sounds like something I could use. Um, we've talked a lot about Scrivener, and I've used Scrivener for a long time. There's a program that's been around for just about as long as Scrivener called Ulysses. Are you familiar with that, Andy? I don't believe I am. It reminds me of Scrivener, but it, they call it a semantic text editor. They separate um, you know, uh, the content from the uh, presentation. So it's really good for screenwriters and novelists. Uh, they've got a lot of formats. It's very powerful. It's Scrivener-like ability to, for instance, save notes, to save parts of your document to a larger, larger document. I particularly like the console mode. If you're somebody who's easily distracted, the console mode just gets everything away and off your desktop so you can type to your heart's content without being distracted. So this is for the ADD among us. Um, it is. It seems to you know it has cross link. It seems extremely powerful. Forty dollars, a very interesting uh, program. So I want to. It's UlyssesApp.com. You can get a twenty day trial on the website um, if you want to know a little bit more about it. And they have quite a few screencasts as well, so you can get a sense of it. It seems to be a very deep program. Uh, I don't spend as much time writing as I ought to. Uh, maybe somebody like Andy would be better to review this, but I think it looks kind of intriguing. Um, it's called, and I'd be very curious what you think of it, Andy. Ulysses, okay. and it is on the uh, App Store. It's been around since 2003. Uh, this is uh, the newest version, which just came out, uh, 2.0. Uh, bookmarks, 
project templates, um, multiple notepads, fonts, colors, and uh, and that uh, screen console that I, I think is pretty cool. Uh, Ulysses 2.0. If you want the free trial, get it from UlyssesApp.com. Otherwise, uh, you can download it and uh, buy it on the App Store. That has the advantage, of course, of being uh, then available for all your computers, which is one of the things I like most about the app You're store. getting addicted, aren't you? I, you know what? I, from day one, I said the App Store will be such a compelling experience for both developers and users that it has the potential to completely take over the ecosystem, and that's why I thought it was bad. But you're still getting addicted. Yeah, I, I was right. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's too good. It's like, that heroin is going to be so... It's heroin. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> I'm actually be curious what Justin has to say about that, but before we do, let's, uh, let's ask you for your pick of the week. I am, mine's pretty self-serving. It's your, is it your software? Pixelcore. We, we have a new app that Mediafly built for us. Oh, that's So neat. Mediafly built an app for our podcast. For the iPhone. Yeah. So have you seen these? I have not. Let's so Mediafly um, is, uh, you know, we're working with Mediafly. And, they do our stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and so they built this little app for us that just lets you very easily uh, see our Mac breaks and, and our other shows. So we're have to dim it it's, down. Yeah. Man. But it's, uh, it's great. You, just, you hit that. And so it's, it's, it's a simple application that just lets you uh, pop in. Uh, you can hit, hit play on any of them and it's just going to go ahead and uh, it's going to stream it. It's cool. Uh, and it sends it go. to video as well as audio. Yeah. That's cool. So it's video and audio, and it's just a nice, great little application. And then we're going to be using a lot more of that. Now, we've got a lot of new podcasts coming out this summer. And I like these. Uh, you know, we're really happy to be working with Mediafly uh, yeah. because not only uh, do they do these apps, but they get us on the Roku box and Popcorn Hour and uh, Vizios and so forth. And that's so. what got us into the conversation. Yeah. And, uh, and this is just something that they, you know, and because it's what's, what's cool is you, they're very flexible as far what as is, like we. Wait a minute. You have unfinished? Oh, that means I haven't listened to them all. Yeah. And yeah. preloaded. Those are the ones I've downloaded. Got right. it. Got it. Got it. And uh, and they just, uh, but they just threw this together for us. It's just the beginning. But if you want to see some of the, if you want an easy way to see, uh, and we're going to add a lot more to this. Uh, we free. can update it. It's free. So um, so go up to uh, the iTunes store and, and download it. It's uh, very cool. It's a fun little way to, to, to enjoy. And if I just search Pixelcore, for Pixelcore, P-I-X-E-L-C-O-R-P-S, I'll be able to find it. Yep. Very good. It is time for you, uh, Justin Williams. What is your pick of the week? Okay, I'm going to go for an iPhone app this week, and uh, it solves one of the problems that I have with the iPhone platform itself in that I am dependent way too much on iTunes for syncing things. And one of the things that I'm always downloading and wanting to sync is podcasts, such as this fine podcast we're on right now. And so there's an app called Instacast for the oh, iPhone. Oh, I've been it's hearing a, a lot of good things about this. I've been meaning it's to It's a buck 99. Yeah. So you download Instacast. You can search, and it has pretty much every podcast that I had in my iTunes library showed up pretty easily in the Instacast search. You click on it, you subscribe, and then whenever you launch the app, it'll download your new episodes. You can listen to them in there. You can keep an archive of old episodes. And it's a really, really good experience. One of the problems that I've always had with uh, iPhone apps that don't shy too far away from Apple's standard widget set is that they look really bland and kind of vanilla. Right. And Instacast is one of those apps that has taken it kind of like what Tweety did back in the day. It's taken the default uh, interface elements that Apple has had, added a few tweaks to it that looks like it's a natural link implementation, and it's done a really good job of that. So I'm really enjoying this app. It's two bucks, which is insanely cheap for something that's so powerful. So check it out. And it solves a problem that I, I've found on the iPhone, which is you can't subscribe to podcasts natively on the iPhone. You have to subscribe on the desktop. It gets downloaded to iTunes, and you have to sync it up. 
And I like. And then when you're out traveling, you can't sync new podcasts right. because your iTunes library is back at home. Right. So I'm really looking. Whenever I download my podcast when I come out to San Francisco for WWDC, this is going to solve a problem that I've had with not being able to copy new stuff onto my device. Cool. So what's your what's your take on the App Store? Oh, I love the App Store. Yeah, of course you I, do. <laughs> no, I've gone through. I've gone through. Here's the thing, though. I've gone through phases. I, when the App Store first came out, I was just. Be, I was frustrated by it. I thought it was a terrible experience. Now, are you speaking as it, a developer or as a user? As a developer, I even as a developer, I even went so far as to sell off my original iPhone business and say, "I'm done with this. To hell with it. I'm going wow. back to the Mac entirely." And then I finally just. It was too alluring to build stuff for the iPad that I came back and. They've well, definitely now I'm talking about the desktop. I'm talking about the desktop app store, though. Oh, the desktop one. I that's yeah. all I use now. Yeah. yeah, desktop. See, this was the conversation. Was it's so attractive from both point of view of of users and for you too? Obviously, you were an Apple staff pick for a, today on the app store. In fact, both your apps are on the app store, right? Elements is on it too. Yeah, but, but I just the, I feel like it kills the ecosystem for you know just apps you download from a website. Um, in a way it does in that it's frustrating that there's no trials, but in the case of today, I'm still offering it on both platforms, but as a user, I'm really hesitant to buy anything outside of the app store ecosystem now, because it is so yeah. easy just to get updates now. Exactly. Like for instance, there was an app, I think it's called Carousel, which is a new Instagram client for the Mac and it's only available through their website and it's like, I think it's 15 bucks, but I'm more than willing to give them $15, but I'd rather give it to them through the Mac app store. Right. So that it, I can handle the updates through there, which is that's such why a I first world well, problem. That's why I do it. I want it to have the updates to go through there. But then only stuff that Apple approves can be sold there. And that's kind of my problem with it. I think the thing for me is as someone who is constantly testing a lot of different laptops and hardware and everything else, that's just nice. being able to sit there and download I across know. anything that I'm signed into. And that's I'm just nice. like, all oh. my purchases are, you know, all in one place. Although what's going to happen is this gets longer and longer and longer, right? Uh, there's no way to remove this. I cannot right-click on this and remove it. The, this this list of purchases I'm talking about, it's going to be too long. To I think use. they'll reorder it. I mean, I, I think that it, you and I buy a lot of a lot of apps. I, mean, I bet everybody does eventually. But, but I have to deal with the same thing. I, I feel like the the way to deal with hundreds of apps for your iPhone and iPad is is painful. You know, in iTunes. I mean, I still do it, but it's you know turning them on and off. I have a bunch of different iPhones and iPads, and so turning them all, you know, for the kids or whatever, and, and I'm trying to turn them all on, turn them all off, and it's painful. I'm just mostly worried about the fact that Apple, this just means Apple has total dominance and approve, gets to approve every app ultimately. But, you know, I'm not worried about it yet, but if they did get to the point where they stopped allowing third-party apps to be installed outside of the App Store, that's when I would be concerned. I don't, think, I don't, they think, I don't think they could do it. I don't think no, they can. I don't think they will. It's just... I just don't think you, I think it will be it will become that way by by just default because most users will not even bother. They'll just yeah. say, yeah, if it's not in the App Store, it doesn't exist. So you can build you can build your store in the warehouse district, but no one's going to be there. Yeah, you know yeah. that's, that's what issue. really concerns me. It's the suburbification of computing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy Anako, your pick of the week. This is an app for the iPad that I've wanted ever since I heard there was going to be something called an iPad. It is Omni Outliner uh, for the iPad. Yes, uh, and I'm afraid I've got I've got, I've got the sample uh, Omni Outliner documents here because my, my um, Omni Outliner on the Mac is so important to my day to day business that I can't show you 
my Omni outlines because that would be that's the outlines to all the books I'm working on, every idea wow. I've had over the past three or four months, uh, notes that I take during meetings, during briefings. Uh, it's just it's 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 not just an outlining app. It's so flexible that it really is kind of an app that lets you build a solution to any problem that you have that involves collecting and sorting and managing information. See, I've been, so, I've been thinking about buying it, but I was going to wait till I heard from you, Andy. Yeah, I'm so I jealous mean, of that app. It's so well done. It's insane yeah, I mean, how good it is. And, and, and it was, and it's really such a diff, it was such a difficult nut to crack because when you have uh, the uh, the Omni Outliner for the desktop is a very very elegant simple and powerful app, but you have a mouse interface, you have all these windows, you have all these elements. How do you solve the problem of putting all of that simplicity on a screen where you always have to be tapping things? And so there are a lot of really nice little solutions to this. They put like the outlines, uh, the, the 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 dots and the arrows and the pointers to indicate to, for hoisting and collapsing things. That actually has its own uh, its own uh, uh, its own column uh, in the on the on the left side here. But really, there's a, about a 10 minute or 15 minute uh, learning curve while you figure out how you translate everything that you would normally do with a keyboard and a mouse to how you do it with gestures here. But after that, it really is just double tap on anything to start typing. You know, this is a new line and then if i want to indent that here's a tab here's a button here for eh, goodness i should probably zoom in here so you can see actually see what i'm doing ah! yeah. so i mean it's just very very simple to write outlines continue to edit and, yeah, and move things along this yeah uh, it will support a million different basically any sort of thing you want to do there's also uh so and if you're not just doing outlines uh if you're just using it for things like tabular data uh, here it is, and I'll zoom out a little bit. Believe me, some someday I'll have my own uh, my own Skype source, and I can figure these things out. Uh, but here we have like a big list of tabular data where it's being used, kind of like more like a database than anything else. Uh, and given that you've got a limited amount of screen real estate here. It's smart enough to know that the first column, if you have multiple columns in your outline, is probably going to be the important one. But if there's too much information to scroll it off, it will simply keep that first column in place. So you continue to scroll off and see every single uh, item in the table that's related to each uh, each item in here. It'll deal with uh, long, long, long. Uh, you can have items that are long, long, long notes instead of single lines of text. You can have pictures as items. You can have URLs as items. It supports web dev. It supports iDisk. It supports exporting via iTunes and email. They tell me that, uh, that excuse me, they say on their site that Dropbox support is something that they're actively looking at. I hope they're very actively looking at it. Uh, but and uh, and it's completely file compatible with the original Omni Outliner. There are some awesome. features in the desk in the desktop version that, because you're running it on iOS and not macOS, that simply aren't supported. Uh, so, uh, but other than that, pretty much every single outline that I have going uh, on my desktop, I will simply copy straight over. And now I have all this data and all this information that I run my life, my business on, just right here. It really is. I I I, I almost within the first hour, I'd elevated it to an essential app. Because once again, you're you're you you can't really prepare for every single app you need and every single situation you're going to be in. If you have Omni Outliner on your iPad, there's an excellent chance that you can simply build the data collection or the data manipulation or the calculation app that you need just by expressing it as an outline. And with the the, the features that you got here, you pretty much have all the tools you need to get that to get that thing going. So, twenty bucks, which is not cheap by iPad standards, but it really is a no-brainer purchase for someone. And at least, at least for me, it was a no-brainer purchase. Uh, I, get it. I was just waiting to hear. Yeah. 
Omni yeah, There's three apps I use on my iPad predominantly. One is my own and two of them are from Omni. I use Omni Outliner, which, which has just come out, but it's already become so integrated into my workflow. And then OmniFocus for the iPad is by far my favorite version of OmniFocus. Yeah. It's fantastic. Interesting. So those guys really understand the iPad. And like I said, I'm insanely jealous of how talented they are. I wish <laughs> if I had that Google $100,000, I might be able to afford to be that awesome. I, I have to admit, I, we, I do all of my diagramming in OmniGraffle. And I just have to, I, people ask yeah. me, but I'm like, I think, I think in OmniGraffle. Like, like, I just think like, that's how I, you know, that's how I, we plan everything. I so. buy all their apps and never figure out how to use them, really. I just uh, <laughs> That's my problem. But look, but uh, oh, is it on the right side here? Ah, oh, dang, it's not. But they, I mean, they've, they've, they're just so clever in figuring out ways to make things work. Like uh, you can either put a when you're designing a, a, an iOS app, you can either decide that well, for every feature, I'm going to add another button to the interface, or you can come up with clever things. I want you to look at that side of the screen uh, for the button that will that will uh, add a new line. Uh, if you tap and hold, it brings up. Uh, actually like a little palette of extra buttons. So if you want to simply say, actually, no, I want to add something above this or no, I want to add something that is already indented for the next thing. You don't have to tap and then move it a second time. You simply good. tap and then stroke it a little bit. Love that. Really, really smart. Okay, there is a there is a small learning curve. There's some things I didn't understand until I watched the video that was on the that was on the site. But five minutes later, I really felt like I was 98 percent up to speed on this. So good stuff. And this just in noteworthy, not a new application just a new font. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still in business, guys. This is why we don't do breaking news on this show. We get it wrong almost every time. Uh, this just in noteworthy, according to the iOS weblog, is a font you'll found, find in iOS 4.3 replacing chalkboard. It is better looking than chalkboard. Okay, so that's, that's one less, one fewer thing that we'll be hearing about in the WWDC keynote. I don't know what they're <laughs> going to be talking about now, but now that this whole font situation has been blown, maybe they'll have a little in-joke about it. <laughs> you Thank already you. know about Noteworthy. Andy Anako is at the Chicago Sun-Times. I, I, I just want to say one thing about it. Yes. We look at Andy's Andy's presentation I here. know. He's so good. He is. He, <laughs> but, I mean, like, we, we, we need to have, we need, someone needs to get, like, a, a couple clips over the last year or two how it's improved it is like it's, it's like every every week now he's he, there's something else tweaked yeah. you know and and, and 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 you know there's the lighting gets a little bit better are, are uh, you are you tinting the windows right now are you uh well see this it's is raining this out is, there well no this is this is uh, the lighting's tar- right. yeah I, I actually i went to amazon and said no no i really had it with all these blown out windows i'm going to spend 50 or 80 dollars for that special tinting and then i decided or I can go to Target and buy this like sort of like pantyhose material, <laughs> pantyhose material like uh, curtains. I can put in the back. They'll get the exact same thing. I've got blackout curtains on that oh window over here. It's, easy, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just a case of like week after week's like, oh god, that looks like crap. Oh. <laughs> but I, but I feel there, like I feel like now we're getting to this point where every week we see something new. His standards are better <laughs> yes. than ours. That's the problem. <laughs> Thank well, you, because Andy. I got no, but real, realize that like you guys, you know, when you get when you get into the new studio, the first show is going to be brilliant. With me, realize it took me like a year of like just via the braille <laughs> method, feeling my way around. Like, here's a content. list of a thousand ways you could possibly set up and do lighting. I've worked through number seven hundred and seventy-eight, and now I'm starting to get to the point where okay, so we've tried, we've eliminated all the ways of doing a crappy show. <laughs> I love. It. And is that your picture? Is that Grand Central Station? What is that uh, picture? No, that is a picture I shot with the GoPro, uh, the, the wow. still video mode, uh, the still photo mode. That's the grand entrance to the Boston Public Library, ah. believe it or not. 
Awesome. Uh, it's up on my uh, up on my Flickr feed. It's using the GoPro's five megapixel photo mode. It has a really wide angle lens. It's That's one awesome. of my it's one it's one of my favorite pictures from the past couple of months. Only because it's such a if you really if you if you come to Boston mm. and you have a short if you have one day to go, devote an hour or two to visit the Boston Public Library. It is a just as the just as Fenway Park is a cathedral of baseball. I can't think of any American library that is even more of a cathedral for learning. And I, I include the New York Public Library, too. This, the, the Boston Public Library just kicks the butt of the New York Public Library just as a beautiful building to come in and read, obviously. I, just, I don't know why, but I'm thinking of The Simpsons where Homer brings Bart to a library. And uh, he says, wow, what's this? He says, it's a library, son, a place where bums go to bathe. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Didn't mean to bring Magn down that. Mag magnificent <laughs> facilities of the Boston Public Library. Mar marble cisterns. <laughs> where bums go to bathe. Uh, Mr. Alex Lindsay is ahead of the PixelCore, PixelCore.com for the Guild of Multimedia Artists, learning and working together. PixelCore.tv for their great podcast. Don't forget to find them on iPhone now with that MediaFly app. That's very cool. You know, having some fun. We're going to have... A, I can't wait until the new studio is open. That's all I got to say. Yep. They're moving in with us. They'll be uh, on the other side of the bricks. Yes. <laughs> they're on the inside of the bricks. And Justin, I'm so glad you joined us. Justin uh, Williams from secondgearsoftware.com. Everybody should run. Not walk. Run, people. Run, run to the app stores. <laughs> and get today in Elements. Again, Great stuff. We really appreciate favorite, you. Favorite, uh, my favorite iPad word processor is elements yep it's just beautiful and maybe someday i will actually ship elements too someday <laughs> we'd, love, we'd love to see bold face someday but, but until, until then still, still a very lovely word processor thanks one for day being andy here. i will i will share with you the pain and suffering that is building rich text on ios <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being here justin we really appreciate it thank you all for joining us we do mac break weekly as soon as we can get everything working which usually Around two thirty, three o'clock. The first, Eastern. If, if you're coming in live, the first half an hour is is the best part. The part where we tear our hair out. And oh, we're we're on. And you see Leo words. working on the, you know, yeah. Do tune in. It starts the the, the mirth and merriment starts at eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern. Live .tv every Tuesday morning. It's my first show of the week. That's why I'm a little discombobulated. You guys, I don't know what your excuse is. <laughs> And don't forget, we are selling bricks. You can have your name engraved on the new Wall of Fame, Wall of Honor in the Twit Brick House right there in the front door. You come visit your brick. Uh, find out more at bricks.twit.tv. Thanks you know for joining you us. One. You know you want one. You know, get two. Get two. They're, they're small. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Now get back to work. Break time is over.